Put to death that nefesh that's wrong about literally everything. I'm ready to cut loose myself. <laughs> the Christian experience has to be sacrificed. Mm. You have to have that soldier attitude. I don't care what they think. I'm here to obey the apostolic commandment. I want to fulfill God's will for my life. Which is the favor that Jesus had from his father by being perfect. Greetings, Bride of Emmanuel. Welcome back. You are watching RLM TV Florida Live. Emmanuel means God is with us. The Lord Jesus Christ sticks closer than a brother, which means he will be in your very spirit. Why? Because a brother or a sister is in the blood. That's a blood family member. God says, I am closer than blood. It is written. He is the very life and light inside our spirit. We need a quick refresher of being fully God inside minded. Conquering Malkut is simply fully God inside minded. If we are distracted, bewitched, even if our purity, our holiness, our Christianity is based on external things and not the indwelling of Emmanuel, we will become bewitched. The Bible says many entire churches of the Apostle Paul's day, Galatians 3 verse 3, started out God inside minded, started out acknowledging that the Holy Spirit, God himself, was living in their hearts. But then they became distracted by external teachings, Colossians 2, let no one beguile you with all the external teachings of Christianity, like they did in Paul's churches of Colossa and Paul's churches of Galatia, which means the enemy will come like Christian teachers to teach an external gospel because the Antichrist comes in the guise of Christ. And what is it? It's not the acknowledging of Christ, God, within the flesh. Antichrist is what? The spirit that doesn't acknowledge that Jesus came in the flesh. Now, did he come into your flesh? You renew your mind to that reality, the bride of Emmanuel that God dwells closer than a brother. He's closer than blood. And when he's closer than blood, guess what? That glory is the blood covenant. In Hebrew, it's called the Brit. We guard the Brit. We purify the Brit, the covenant. And it is a covenant of purity. The very covenant itself is the purity of the Lamb of God. Why is he called spotless, without blemish? Because the nature of salvation is based on the sexual purity of the Messiah progressively formed in your heart and in your soul and in your mind and in your bodies. Therefore, we become the outpouring of the Lamb, the outpouring of Emmanuel. So others can say, surely God is with them. And God is pouring through them. And God is being poured on me. How will we know when God is being poured on us? By the purity. By the Brit. By the covenant of the river crystal clear and sparkling. Why is that mentioned in Revelation 22 verse 1? Because it mentions the covenant as clarity. If there is any confusion, any fogginess, any darkness in the mind, any distraction in the mind, there's a lack of the covenant. There's a lack of God. Therefore, we need to come to the river and be washed. And the river only proceeds from the Word. This is one of the greatest mysteries. Something so simple, yet so profound. The Word in 1 John 5 is only in the heavens. Scripture comes from heaven and is for heaven in the above realm. All scripture below is dead letter. The Apostle Paul says, Scripture below is the dead letter that kills, which means interpreting the letter of the law, the letter of the new covenant law, which is love one another as I've loved you, <laughs> and have no other gods besides me. So all the commandments hang on the letter that came from above. These letters are actual angels now. It's true. You inherit salvation through the ministry of angels. That's what Hebrews says. A lot of Christians don't understand that. And they got some other angels inside their souls influencing them. So they're opposed to the holy angels helping you try to inherit salvation. So we know when those other angels, those angels of the night that are not the angels 
rejoicing. The morning stars rejoicing in Job 38. We got some dark stars not rejoicing, angry, accusational, always trying to corrupt the process of salvation, which is going from glory to glory until you shine as the stars of the heavens forever. Daniel 12, 3, the fullness of day dawning in you, that you too be morning stars rejoicing in the heavens. God's plan for your life is simple. He wants you to pour forth the resurrection glory in the fullness of the new heavens. Anything less than that is going to be down below, forfeiting those inheritances to the enemies. And then the night stars, the dark stars, will be ruling over their minds. And it's still a star, so it still kind of animates the blood. But it animates the blood with black light. There is actually a black fire. And there is the fire of the Holy Ghost. The menorah burned in the temple with fire, oil that is for light, it is written. Now... The anti-oil, the thief of oil, those who come to steal the oil, they burn with black light. They burn as black stars. So there is a light about them. But Jesus Christ said that light is the enemy and that light deceives. And beware that the enemy is not actually angels of light deceiving you. And the enemy goes around like a roaring lion. Well, the lion of the tribe of Judah is the covenant himself, Jesus Christ, King of Israel. But therefore, the enemy is like a lion. So how will we know the enemy lion from the lion of Judah? Simply by that Emmanuel burning within our hearts of the holiness of the Brit, the covenant of purity. For the wisdom, the word of God that comes down from heaven is first of all pure. Then it is peace-loving. And then it is teachable. And what does the Bible say? Also, it is obedient. It is obedient. A lot of people today, because of a lack of true apostolic leadership in their Christian lives, they are constantly questioning leadership. They are constantly rebelling and trying to correct the apostolic. You know, the apostolic means coming through the consecration, means special messenger in Greek. It was a Roman term for when in Rome, do as the Romans do. When in Jerusalem, do as the heavenly Sanhedrin does. The apostolic means the consecrated message. Can you imagine a people so filled with Jezebel's religion that they're always opposing and correcting the consecrated message of the heavenly Jerusalem? Remember, the names of the foundation stones of the promised land are the names of the apostles. And it's not just first century, it's every century, people. Every century. There was apostolic leadership and the ones that clung to them and obeyed them and followed them brought the kingdom of heaven to earth and progressed God's will in their generation. And they are great for eternity in the kingdom of heaven. The truth is most oppose them today. Most oppose the apostles. Most are mistreated, neglected, uh, they're despised, they're, they're disobeyed, they're dishonored. And the false are honored, but the true are dishonored. Why? Because the true oppose the human nature. The true oppose the foreskin of what the human being is. The human being's righteousness is filthy rags until the human being is cast out by the holy word of God, the holy speech, the holy tongue, the Lashon HaKadosh, and the Brit is guarded and the Brit is purified. Then God's people have God in them. It don't get any better than that, than having the Creator formed on the inside. All apostolic ministry of the consecrated message from the heavenly Jerusalem is to form Jesus Christ within your very hearts. And from your hearts there will pour forth something, the power of the resurrection. What is this outflowing power of the resurrection? That's written in Philippians 3, 11 and 12. The outpouring, the obtaining of the outpouring of the river of life is far greater than we could have ever imagined in the glory stream. It's the very essence of the resurrection. Glory is an upward flow of ascension power. A person who's walking in the true glory of God will have an ascending power like Elijah. And that is in essence, what glory to glory is. It's rung to rung. That kind of destroys the bewitchment because when people think that they're going glory to glory, but they're just circling around, they're just going round about, round the mountain again, 
round the sapphire stone again, whatever it is, the glory to glory is simply the internal resurrection of Christ within your spirit, circumcising your heart. That's the soul circumcision. So you have spirit salvation. Your spirit is saved. You die and you go to heaven. Now it's time to get your spirit completely set apart so there's no iniquity in the inner man and your soul or your souls to be circumcised, sanctified. That's the glory to glory resurrection power. So what's the measure of your going glory to glory? It's rung to rung. Because what is Shekinah? Shekinah represents your earthen vessel of Malkut standing on the moon. That's why sometimes when we talk about Shekinah, we're talking about Malkut. Other times we're talking about it in terms of Yasad, the moon. What is that pure glory Shekinah? When you overcome Jezebel's tower and you stand on the moon, and then of course you become clothed with the sun in that ascension. It's a gathering of the stones of the altar, and these are not stones made by human hands. So a purified altar. Thank you, Father, for a purified altar, a purified people, a holy people, a kingdom of priests, and the washing and the sanctifying and the forgiveness of sins to be right with God, in right standing with God, and that is righteousness, to be in right standing with God. The rock on which you stand, may it be Jesus Christ and he who came in the flesh, that Jesus and no other Jesus and no other spirit, no other Holy Spirit, but just the Lord your God who is one God, the creator of heaven and the earth. I think it'd be nice to take a look at some of these pictures and peg your minds in the high heavenly palaces. Set your mind on the high things, on the beautiful things, on the precious things. We approach his throne of grace for mercy, for grace in the time of need. So if you're in a time of need for grace, for mercy, we ask Heavenly Father for mercy for your people, grace for your people, forgiveness of sins for your people, forgiveness of the bewitchment, however long they've been God inside minded or not, to return to the first love that was a message uh, this morning from Apostle Shadrach. Return to your first love. Come out of false love. Many people are falling to the traps of the false love. And uh, I didn't get to watch the entire broadcast. You know, we're doing a lot of things over here. I'd love to go back and watch that. If you haven't seen it, I highly recommend you go and watch that. But there was such a great section in there where he talked about it's the people who are into the false love. Those are the ones that are saying, I'm for RLM, RLM today. And then next week or next year or next month, they're off with some other kind of, you know, witchcraft service, witchcraft prayer, eating off of Jezebel's table. It's the false love that produces the flakes, you know, the, the betrayal, the ones who get into rebellion. They rebel against uh, the apostles, but they're w w tossed around by every wind and wave of doctrine. That's the false love. So you need to return to your first love. And if that strikes a note with you, I highly recommend, you know, later on, if you haven't seen it, go ahead and check out his message. And we do have a couple more pictures here for you because we want you to understand glory to glory. So we have a chart here. And there's a few nice pictures on the way. In Song of Songs, one translation says, He shepherds us amongst the roses. That just blew my mind this week. Amen. So set your, your mind, those things that you think about. Remember, if there's worries, anxieties, cast your cares upon the Lord for He cares for you. And maybe just call some of these kinds of images to mind the next time you're tempted into bewitchment. The kingdom of heaven is within you. It's an internal resurrection. All right. So we enter his gates with thanksgiving in our hearts, and we enter his courts with praise. And these are... The courts of the 
palaces, the heavenly places, the heavenly kingdom within you. Let your heart be settled and let there be thanksgiving unto Yahweh for the forgiveness of sins, the oil of the joy of salvation. It's a time of thanksgiving. It's a time of grace. And this is a time that God is asking his people to get your own oil. So you're going to be producing oil. The oil of glory is something that you produce. This is not something that you're going to go to, you know, suck the glory and the oil, the anointing off of the ministers. This is something where you are actually going to produce the oil within you by bearing the fruit. And so what's going to happen is instead of that dryness and that trying to, you know, bicker and fight in the backbiting and trying to take and pray for, you know, what other people have, trying to take and steal and hunt and kill, it's a repentance from that. That's the reason why many have emotional disorders, mental disorders, all kinds of fears and anxieties and worries, and there's no peace. The peace comes when you produce your own oil. Now, this was something I didn't have an understanding of when I first came uh, to learn uh, from this ministry. And what Brandon had taught at that time, he said, everyone's required to produce fruit and produce oil. The father expects fruit. When you're a baby, you won't have it. But within, you know, one, two, three, especially within three years, you should be producing fruit. You'll be producing your own oil. So what does that mean? You bear the fruit of the Holy Spirit through obedience. You grow where you're planted. And so instead of that dryness, instead of that trying to go and chase after what other people have, com constantly comparing, envying, right? Those are symptoms of false love. The comparisons, the envy, the strife, the jealousy, the evil eye, right? The evil eye of jealousy. That comes from a lack of oil. So let there be that internal oil production. And it's something that everyone is required to do in the Father's house. This is something, you know, that Brandon has been teaching for a long time. And when I heard him speak that word, I took it to heart and realized it's possible for me to have my own supply of oil of knowing Christ within my spirit. So that is how, that is how you can avoid getting into bewitchment and witchcraft and just all those things that destroy your destiny and your mentality and your physical and mental well-being. It, it, those are all things that come from a lack of producing fruit, a lack of producing oil. Where does the oil, the olive oil come from? It comes from the fruit of the olive tree, which we know is the tree of life. And these are just some fun things. Well, how do we know? Do we have any maps? What does it look like? What do we, what do, we do? Am I going to space somewhere? Let's, let's make it plain. There are two crowns. There are two crowns, which means in this world and in all worlds, there are only two wills. And I know everyone, I have my own free will and my own... Well, what is the substance of that will and that desire? That's so good. The crown represents the will of that kingdom. Amen. That's in the Hebrew, ratzon, will, lightning, keter. There are only two possible sources of a will it's an impulse the impulse so in your body when a signal goes out from the brain it goes by electricity through your body through your central nervous system you know you have your spine your central nervous system you connected your body to your brain and that's the external natural physical dimension that tells us something about the invisible world and then in the Bible and in the Hebrew and in the wisdom of Moses, we find out that there is a crown, a will of God that must be done in the earth. Now, there is another will at work since the fall of man, the curse of the fall. So in the New Testament, when they said, is it from God or is it from man? That means on the right hand side, we have a crown of 
Shekinah glory that passes down the lightning path, right? That's the lightning path of ascension. It's ascending and descending, angels carrying the will of God. It comes out of him like lightning. Now, I know I'm not the first person to see that lightning. Those prophets in this last age who have get, gotten caught up into heaven, they talk about seeing the throne room and the lightning that flies out of the Father on the throne. So many people have seen this lightning. And in fact, recently, we've seen this lightning come out of the Apostle Brandon physically out of his belly. And, and so the lightning is coming from the Ark of the Will of God. It's pretty impressive that even um, another member of the tribe had lightning come out of him recently into the physical realm as well. So uh, this represents the will of the Father, the crown of glory is the lightning will of God the Father is coming down and God is having his way and his will through sanctified believers. Amen. So it's important to understand this. When you feel the impulse, you feel led to do something. When you feel a certain way and you're so sure it's your Ruah, your spirit, well, your Ruah is not the Ruach HaKodesh of God, right? Your soul is meant to be as a mirror that reflects the Word of God, which is the lightning sword. Jesus Christ, the Word of God, he wets his lightning sword. The Father opened his mouth and he said, what? The Word came out of his mouth. So Jesus Christ is that lightning sword that comes out of the mouth of the Father that created all worlds. He's the ten utterances. And between that ten utterances and those 22 letters of each world, those are the 32 paths of wisdom. So the main thing is wisdom. Get wisdom. And that's only from going glory to glory. Now, why are we looking at these two crowns here? Ooh. This is in the book of Isaiah. Oh my goodness. Isaiah 28 details two crowns. One is pride. And one is humility. Isaiah 28. Woe to the crown of pride to the drunkards of Ephraim, whose glorious beauty is a fading flower, which are on the head of the fat valleys of them that are overcome with wine. Isaiah 28.3. The crown of pride, the drunkards of Ephraim shall be trodden underfoot, and the glorious beauty, which is on the head of the fat valley, shall be a fading flower, and as the hasty fruit before the summer which when he that looketh upon it seeth, while it is yet in his hand, he eateth it up. In that day shall the Lord of hosts be for a crown of glory and a diadem of beauty unto the residue of his people. So look at that. It talks about two crowns there, the crown of pride. And then it talks about YHVH, the Lord of hosts, being for a crown of glory which is humility, and for a diadem of beauty. Now, that's another word for a crown as well. Two different types of crowns. Either one could be for a male or female, but you'll find that typically uh, the crown of glory, that one tends to look a little bit more of like a masculine crown, where the diadem seems to be a little bit more of a feminine crown. And if you know, Bina, Hakma, and Keter are actually one. So you have the fem feminine side, the male side, male and female, he created them. Adam to be what? In union with him, full of the Holy Spirit, which means married to God. Right? When they left the garden, it was like a divorce. You see that in the Bible. But this is all about restoring Adam and Eve into marital union with God. You'll notice those Bible verses about a woman being separated from her husband, you know, should then be, you know, reunited. There's that talk of a reuniting with the estranged wife who was sent away. And those are allegories and pictures of Adam and Eve returning to the garden. You know, God sent them away, but he has a plan. He said, I'm going to save you. I'm going to save you. And what is that plan? How he sent Jesus Christ into the earth. And he poured out the Holy Spirit. And guess what? The Father is coming next, and he's not coming to do what Jesus already did. Jesus is going to hand over the kingdom to the Father. So all those prophetic words, maybe some of you have heard the kind of 
sounding out there, you know, on the fringe of glory stream Christianity about the Father coming. That's in part what that means. That's right. Revelation says, and the throne of the Father is with men, they exclaimed. So it's a progressive coming of the kingdom of Jesus. Then he sends the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit sanctifies us. And the Holy Spirit leads us up into the Word in the heavenlies. And that's what brings the Father down back through the fallen world. And that's the manifest glory. Amen. So that crown of pride that said in Isaiah 28, Woe to the crown of pride. I guess we can come back to us and come back to the picture if we need uh, woe to the crown of pride, to the drunkards of Ephraim, whose glorious beauty is a fading flower. So it talks about the one crown being a fading flower, and that flower, as we know, represents what? The glory, right? What is what is that flower? We're talking about Tiferet, right? The, the flower of the sun, when Tiferet is in bloom. So the fading glory here is literally a fading Tiferet, if you study the Hebrew. The fading glory of the valley who fattened the heart in the day of slaughter. And what is a fattened heart? Isn't that interesting? A fattened heart? Do you have any commentary on that? Yeah, well, in the Levitical priesthood, the fat was offered to the Father through fire on the altar. So a fattened heart means the heart was never offered on the altar of the Holy Spirit to burn to the Father's will. Amazing. I saw your spirit light up. I'm sure he has something to say on that right now. <laughs> glory. <laughs> Amen. So the fading glory there is literally a fading Tiferet. The fading Tiferet of the valley, right? We're talking about the, we talked already and established the valley of decision and the mountain of Esau, right? The mountain of Samael. That is all the fading glory. That's the dust, the dirt, the uncircumcision, high or low, that's the enemy kingdom. That's the fading glory of the valley who fattened the heart in the day of slaughter. And they might have heights now, but that whole thing is getting tossed into the abyss. So it won't be the heights of unrighteousness anymore. Right? It will be thrown into the eternal abyss because for the people of God and for those who call in the name of Jesus, the true Jesus, and will sacrifice their hearts, there is forgiveness of sins. But, you know, and there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But for the fallen angels, for the demons, there is no forgiveness for them. In the book of Enoch, it's written. So, you know, rejoice that there is a chance for forgiveness for you if we hear, we obey, and we allow Christ, who came in the flesh, to live and rule in our hearts, his crown of glory. Amen. So, in that day, YHVH of hosts, which is the name on the sapphire stick of the Sephirot written in the book of Jasher, will be a crown of glory. So, in that day, Yadhe of hosts will be a crown of glory. Well, so their Tiferet is going to be fading. It's a fading Tiferet. Isaiah 28, 5 through 6, Amplified. In that day, the Lord of hosts will become a magnificent crown and a glorious diadem to the converted remnant of his people, a spirit of justice for him who sits in judgment administering the law, a strength to those who drive back the cattle at the gate, a spirit of justice who sits in judgment, a glorious diadem, and that crown, that diadem, is actually, in the Hebrew, my covenant name of my eighth-day circumcision, uh, Zephira. I was reading that the other night, and it just completely blew my mind. I couldn't stop studying the Bible until like 6 a.m. And when I saw there was those two crowns of glory that he mentioned in that verse, it said that YHVH, so it mentions there actually three crowns. Two are one. One is the crown of pride. The other is the crown of Yadhe And within that, one is like a male and one's a, f a female. And then the other word in Hebrew 
was it started with the same letters of my name, but it was like BB. But if you took away the BB and put the Zadik, the Zadi in there, it looked ZB. <laughs> ZB. And I saw your crown. So I know God is doing a glorious work with the destiny. There's endless mm -hmm. mysteries yeah. in every word of scripture. Right. And I think Brandon's the only person until now that I've shared my covenant name with. When you get the eighth day circumcision, so when you finish the role of Adam Cadbon, you get a new name. And it's not like, oh, you just get a Google Translate of it. it. It's just, you know, he tells you, you get that name. And it's so beautiful. And, you know, it's so crazy. I think I had a hint in a little bit earlier years where I kind of had a fleeting knowing in English. Like, huh, I think that's my name. And I didn't remember that until like a while after I had gotten him. Like, oh, yeah, that's what it is. Because in English, one of the meanings is Aurora. And it means the dawn. And I was just like, whoa, you know, I felt like there's some part of me that I felt like I knew that. It's like you start to remember. Uh, but it's just one of the glorious things about going up the Sephirah is you do get many names. But there's a specific special Hebrew name when you complete the Keter of Adam Kadmon. And it's on the eighth day, it's Jewish tradition to give uh, that son their Hebrew name. It's very special. It's a very important day and is really awesome. So definitely, you know, if you have identity issues or if you're always just, you know, comparing to other people's whatever it is, that preciousness only comes forth in you. Like none of these prophetic words or promises from God. I didn't have any of these until I, you know, killed the old creature. That old self didn't have any of that. None of that was active and alive and working. None of that belonged to me because it was still the old me. So you put the old person to death. So that's the problem. When people are new to it, they want to apply the gifts and the grace and the overcomer's gifts to the self-nature when the self-nature is actually what you're trying to put to death. Like that's what has to die in order for the new creature to come forth and get the inheritance. And so that's what the foreskins are and the membrane. It's the old creature. That's your marriage to Satan ever since... Adam and Eve had that covenant marriage to uh, Satan and Lilith. Uh, that divorce certificate has been issued now as you're born again. And so now you need to walk out that faithfulness to God, you know. Yeah, it's the old intellect versus the new intellect. Scripture says several times in Paul's writings, grow in your intellect, in divine intelligence, you need to because you're at war against the old intellect. The old intellect is the beast intellect. The new intellect is Christ. And Christ's intelligence is the mind of Christ, which is the promised land. And it's through his intelligence that we conquer the intelligence of death. Death is a system of intelligence. It's called the mind of the beast, the number of the beast. It's written in the forehead. It's an intellect. It's an identity. It's, it's a way of living. It's, it's a standard of life. It's actually a, a false type of Christianity as well as we read about in the book of Revelation. So when you begin to attack the old intellect, that's when you begin to grow in holiness in the new intellect that comes from the spirit. You have now spiritual intelligence that has no cap on it. As a human being, that's why very few people that are very gifted as human beings ever transfer into the new creature. That's such a good word. Because of success in the world. That's why Paul says not many of you are doctors or lawyers or governors or are rich and successful. Mm -hmm. You came because you didn't have much invested in that worldly kingdom, but now you're being built up in the kingdom of God. And you have to understand the difference between the intellect of Christ, the intelligence of Jesus and your spirit man, mm -hmm and growing in that, and the constant mm -hmm. putting to death the intellect of the old mm -hmm. man, because it literally calls that the intelligence of right. death. All right, I'm going to use you on the screen here just as like an example of a size, like a, li a size demonstration. Okay, imagine your inner man, and let's say you're just about like, you could fit in between my fingers here. It's very tiny. The seed is small. What does it say in the Bible about the mustard seed of faith? Tiniest seed. Tiny little baby spirit when you're born again it could be just a little you're like a little uh, little nugget smallest like, <laughs> of the garden plants but it grows into the tallest tree 
So we can't despise a small beginning. So let's say you've grown your spirit just a little bit. You've listened to RLM for just a couple years or, you know, a couple years. And, you know, you just have like a half a rung, a couple rungs, whatever. You might be tiny. So let's say Brennan is like a regular size. Let's say this is your person. This is just for an example. Let's imagine this is your body. And then your little spirit is down in here. This is like a little, like just this much. So this much of you is your identity and sa saved and is good. And the rest of it, imagine that comparison. So if when you're this small and it's in your belly, in your spirit, that's where you, that's why you put your hand here. Like help the little guy out. So <laughs> help the little man of light out. Stop attacking. And then all the rest in comparison of your thoughts, feelings, emotions, and what you think God is doing and what you want to do and how you feel about the scriptures and how you feel about whatever is actually a manure pile. So you have this much manure pile. Sorry, I'm using you for an example. It's not like that for you. Uh, I love being the daily <laughs> offering. The daily offering. It's a privilege. It's an honor. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Amen. And so think about that. You know, because if this is all you have, a tiny little thing, then the rest is all manure. So um, I need you to have that understanding of the size comparison or how much of Christ is formed in your spirit. So when it feels like, you know, you're being rebuked, you're being corrected, and you feel like they're attacking me and da da da, it's because, you know, something's about to die and it needs to die. That's the self nature. All the rest of that's got to go. So if you focus on treasuring that tiny little inner man of light, looks like a little gingerbread man. You know, Kat Kerr, who went into heaven, she saw all the little gingerbread man of light in the father, in his heart before they're born, looking like little fireflies dancing around, you know, like that's what you are sewn into your mother's womb. Otherwise you would die. And you really come alive at salvation. Your inner man needs saving. Anytime you come into the earth, you're like a seed plant in the earth. You die, right? You need Christ to resurrect. So that little inner gingerbread man of life, when you believed in Jesus, oh, you know, I saw the light. That's I saw the light. That's so good. After you're born of flesh, you need to reconnect the spirit part of you with your creator in heaven through Jesus Christ. That's what salvation is. And then daily, we mm -hmm. solidify that connection by growing in the glory through the sanctification of the word on the inside. Right. And why do people need to do that? Because we are, you know, we're from the offspring of Adam and Eve who sinned in the supernal garden. Right. So there's a garden above and garden below and there's issues with the inner man some of the people again we've talked about this what the angel had showed us from before the beginning of time satan's song of discord the best way they could explain it to us in english was kind of that that sound of discord that sin that's a it's an energy it's a low frequency and it's sin and so there was like a descent there was a a, a permanent kind of a damage that was done to some of the inner man so this is this is a clean slate playing field on the earth where you don't have or at least for the most of your life you won't have your memories from before you came to earth so it's a clean slate totally brand new you literally die right and you, you so your inner man literally dies as you're sown as a little gingerbread man of light into your mother's womb so they're birthing you but at the same time you died so you need resurrection literally from the time that you're born even by the time like, so when, if mothers who are pregnant, if you're pregnant or if you're planning on becoming pregnant, uh, when that little soul, when you, sometimes people see, they see a flash of light. Uh, you know, if they're sensitive people, seers will see a flash of light when God comes down and sows the little guy in there. As soon as you conceive, ask for them to receive, right? Salvation in the womb of course, they'll have to grow up and make their own decision, but you want to start them out full of glory. Yeah. Read them the Bible. You know, the babies, they've, they've done studies on this. They can hear the words that you're speaking in your atmosphere. That's right. The parent's job is to create the atmosphere for growth for natural children and spiritual children. We create the atmosphere of glory. Jesus Christ said, my nature is as a brooding mother hen over Jerusalem. Mm -hmm. When he says they were not willing, that means they were not willing to grow in his glory. Mm -hmm. uh, can we just look at the picture one time? I want to demystify this part of conception. So when, you know, when the mother and a father love each other very much and they're going to create a child, right? We understand that, how that works at the time of conception, which means the moment of conception. We've learned in our master class, we've talked about 
how, uh, you know, King David and uh, his queen Bathsheba were able to think about the sapphire stones, the mysteries of the holiness of God in the midst of conception. And what that allowed them to do is to bring forth someone who could carry the destiny of restoring the tabernacle of Jesus, restoring the temple. So building the temple, the restoration of the Shekinah visibly on the altar, that came through a lot of warfare from, you know, King David, a lot of overcoming and the right intention, which what is intention? Will, the crown, your will. So what lightning path are you drawing from when you conceive a child? So when you're thinking like animal thoughts, like lustful, like you're just a lustful animal, right? And, you know, well, it's, it's all sanctified, you know, you're married. That's fine. There's a layer of that. But if it's all, if you're drawing souls through foreskins, right? All these souls are going to come from God. But what's the issue? There's foreskins that are blocking the Shekinah. The ideal thing is to draw down a child in holiness without damaging Shekinah. Because Shekinah is the portal, the matrix, the womb above where the children are going to come down through. So if you want to draw a soul in that holiness, first of all, if you have the internal sanctification and circumcision, like if you're planning on being pregnant, obviously go with God's plan and timing for your life because it might take, you know, up to a year to have the circumcisions that you'd want to have. Honestly, for me, if I was going to be a mother who is planning on doing this, that's what I would do is prioritize circumcisions because then you're going to draw down a child that has less foreskins in their DNA at birth, right? Of these ones, they're going to be called born in Zion. What does that mean? What is Zion? You're standing on the moon, you're clothed in the sun, and then you're going up the rungs, not just the lower moon and sun that's, you know, barely saved, barely righteous is in the world of Isaiah. It, you know, we keep going, we keep doing this, you know, correctly. And the goal is for those of you who are going to be producing physical offspring is get the circumcisions and then produce the holy souls. Now, I know we're in a transition matrix. We're in a transition time right now. So for everyone, I understand if that's not completely possible, but do the best you can. If you're planning on conceiving a child, what you can do, even what they did in the Old Testament before they had the internal uh, way that we have through Jesus Christ after he was, you know, born and came in the flesh and died on the cross and rose again and ascended and cleared this path for us internally. You can meditate on those things above and consecrate yourselves with prayer prior to uh, bringing a child into this world. So just a quick note on making holy babies. Amen. And now let's focus on birthing the divine child through your belly, Amen. which means bringing forth the Messiah through your spirit. And you know what? The only thing he deals with is you in the way from him coming through. I know you can lean on his understanding and not your own from the first day you believe the word. There is a, a discipline of not relying on your own words, but the energy and the power of the working of the Word of God in your heart that produces living water. God's plans for your life is to live and move and have your being in the Holy Spirit and in the light of truth and in the heavenly glory so that every area of your life is not touched or tainted by darkness. As is written, God is light. In Him there is no darkness at all. So when you're walking in the light as children of the light, wearing the armor of light, you are doing the will of true light. So the whole kingdom of heaven is true light. The whole kingdom of hell, well, it's darkness, but false light also. So the most deceiving thing you'll deal with as believers, surrounded by the uncircumcised, you know, every single person, this is something the Holy Spirit was saying today to me, every single person in the scripture faced something they needed to overcome in their generation. Every single generation has obstacles and requirements of conquering spiritual enemies and also natural enemies. 
In this generation, it is required of us by the power of the anointing of the Holy Spirit from Jesus Christ to conquer and overcome all the sorceries of Babylon the Great. Now we might say, well, that's the Masonic sorceries, that's the Klippeth sorceries of the Freemason lodges, and all that's true, and we will conquer all those wicked warlocks of Babylon and the nations as well, and they shall be thrown in the lake of fire. But we first have to bring judgment to the house of God, and that's where we're at. That's right where we're at right now in the timeline. We are dealing with the cleansing and a consecration of removing the sorceries of Babylon the Great out of God's own people. God must clean us up before he cleans the world up. Otherwise, when judgment comes upon the world, we don't realize how much of the world is in us. If the judgment to have new heavens and new earth were to come forth now, most Christians would be obliterated. And they just have a small little spirit that would fly away into heaven, but they wouldn't have the ability to stay and take all that judgment because they're not consecrated perfect in their souls yet. That's such a clear vision. Amen. So that's why we've been talking about growing your spirit, right? Some of you, you want to go cosmic and you know, this is the time for you to learn and to grow. Now you've got that clear picture of that little inner gingerbread man of light made up of pure Shekinah glory, right? Put all of your identity in that little guy. Maybe it's a little bit bigger. You want to have at least your spirit. I believe you want to have it at least the size of your body. That's the vision I was having this week. You want it to be at least the size of your body because then you're going to be living in your spirit. So what do you do before it's that big? Take all your thoughts and crucify it and put it in the inner man of light. And then all the hearts and your feelings and what you want to do and who you are in Christ. The identity crisis ends when we put our identity in Christ within our own spirit. So I think a lot of Christians are really, really, really undertaught and don't understand mysteries of the angelic realms very clearly. The enemy has been trained in sorcery by fallen angels in the heavens for 6,000 years. So you have an enemy highly trained to be heavenly of what most people say, well, that Kabbalah is evil. Yes, that Kabbalah is evil. The Kabbalah the Christians say is evil is evil. But you need to understand God calls that sorcery. Now, the stairway of the planetary systems is Kabbalah. But there is a perversion of it that the enemy has made people so paranoid about that they can't receive the teachings of righteousness because they associate Kabbalah with all that kinds of sorcery. And the Kabbalah that is sorcery, you're right about. That's accurate. But you need to understand the planetary steps, the planetary rungs as a stairway created by God that is totally biblical that the apostles of the Lamb had knowledge of. They, they're commanded to come up here. How did he come up here? He came up on planetary systems. I want to show you this and just remind you because there's new people looking into this every day. Oh yeah, I'm glad that you're bringing that up. That's such a good point. I want you to look at the stairway. This is a painting done by Akiana when she was only, I believe, 11 years old. She had a vision from Jesus Christ and she had no idea what it means. But... It is the stairway, and if you look closely, you can begin to see what it looks like. The, look at the stairs that are directly in the path of the planets, and the first one's clearly there as the moon. So you're going from Earth on top of that, that's Malkut on Earth, into the moon. If the charismatic church can understand this is righteousness, this is also known as holy Kabbalah. It is very, very holy. It is the oral tradition of the apostles of the Lamb and the oral tradition of the high priest of Israel, Moses and Aaron. You can begin to have an understanding of the secret stairway of the sky of Song of Songs and Jacob's Ladder. And that is an essential foundation for all of us in these days. Otherwise, if you don't embrace the stairway, which Jesus Christ through the young girl Akiana is clearly showing as going through the planetary systems, there's no chance of you to leave the earth. 
we want you guys to be so resurrected from the dead that the stuff that goes on the earth of Satan thrown down to you mm -hmm. never touches your money, right. your house, your, your marketplace, your relationships, your family, that you are so resurrected up the stairway that you're mm -hmm. so blessed that people can see you as the children of the resurrection. For the most part, guys, Christianity to this day has rejected the stairway because the enemy has made them paranoid about Kabbalah. This is the stepping stone for most of you in the Pentecostal charismatic and the glory stream church of the earth right now, understanding the difference between the enemy's sorcery, which is false Kabbalah, and God's righteousness, which is true and holy Kabbalah. Kabbalah is learning how to receive instruction from God on the secret stairway. Amen. And it's simply receiving instruction. If we can go back to this picture here. From one of these two sources. Remember, we did that study here in Isaiah that there were only two sources of will. One is pride and the other is Yadavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavav
So I think, you know, what Brennan's talking about, people have a little difficulty understanding. You know, Kabbalah, all it means is a Hebrew word for receive instruction. Do you receive instruction from the enemy or receive instruction from God? There's only two sources. And if it's the illusion of my own thing, that means it's secretly it's Satan. How do you know if it's Satan? If it gives you negative feelings and emotions toward the Zadik, you know, if you have negative emotions or fears and doubts, anxieties about the apostles, that's because you have fallen angels working over time to get you to attack. Because look at this. If you attack the apostolic cherubim covering of that supernal that's keter. That's so true. You can directly mm -hmm. measure the amount of fallen angels working upon a person by their negativity towards us apostles. Simple as that. It's true. And why do the angels like the fallen angels like to do that? Because if they can get you to feel negatively toward the apostles, the Zadik, you know, on the sapphire stones, towards, you know, Brandon and I, really, you know, little doubts and feelings and uh, da, 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 it's because they're trying to keep you at a low level. Because if you would rise, then more will rise and more will come and rise. And then God has his will done in the earth. And then the wickedness and the fallen angels are cast out and thrown down into the eternal abyss. And we hasten the coming of the Lord. Hello? Like, that's the plan. So obviously Satan hates that plan. And they know in their demonic wisdom, they know that if they can get you to have negative emotions and feelings toward the leaders of this, then it would stunt your growth. And they want to delay this for another thousand years. I already know what they're trying to do. We've dealt with so much delay already. We want to say no more delay. No more Bam. delay. Let your sins be forgiven. Let our people's sins be forgiven. And let, let you're supposed to be a crown of glory upon the father's head and i have these visions i hold them before the father continually it's of you guys rising and standing there with him and before him and honoring him and walking in the fullness of who he created you with the word of his mouth and you know i realized recently in one of my visions in a dream i looked in a mirror and i saw the hebrew letters that created me and one of the uh letter arrangements it meant judgment a spirit of justice and judgment and i just it was like a revelation when i looked at it so then you could imagine my surprise when i saw this that my name in the hebrew my hebrew given name of the eighth day is the wreath crown coronet diadem encircling of the head and you know the morning the dawn aurora and in the hebrew in that verse in isaiah it says and for a diadem of beauty the Hebrew literally says Zephira and Tifara, which is Tiferet, Zephira, Tiferet. So Yadhevave of hosts of sun, moon, and stars. That's what hosts in that Hebrew means. Yadhevave of hosts of sun, moon, and stars and of war shall be for a crown of glory, Zephira, Tiferet, unto the remnant. So you understand that part of you that is spoken and created from God is a gift. When God talks about the apostles in the New Testament, he calls them a gift. So if you reject apostles, you reject the gift from God. And if the name of the apostle means destiny, if you fight destiny, that's the mazal, the crown of the mazal. You talk about the mazalat, that's above the constellations. Why, why am I here to rearrange and change the times and the seasons? For you to walk in destiny. You know, there's a higher timeline and a higher path that the Father wants to open up. But many people are fighting it, even thinking in one part of them they agree with it, and the other they're fighting it. So I want to encourage you today, don't fight the apostles. Don't fight the crowns. The apostolic mm -hmm. is on the stars in this generation, Deborah 520, and Deborah warred with the stars against Satan mm -hmm. Sisera. Understand in this generation, your leadership mm -hmm. is leading you to live upon the Sephirotic stars of righteousness, the sun of righteousness, the stars mm -hmm. and the heavens of righteousness. And the people that fight against it, what is written? Judges 5, they're fighting mm -hmm. on Satan's side against the stars mm -hmm. that have God's written word on them. And we're warring against the black Sephirot of, you know, the Clippeth and that... Uh, that fading Tiferet, that black sun, that fading glory that's going to be, you know, cast down. It says, in that day, Yadhe the Sephirot, Jesus Christ, will be a crown of glory. And I saw Brandon's name in there, in the Hebrew, one of his names. For a crown of glory and for a diadem, a crown 
Zephira of Tiferet, so male and female crown and glory, to appoint unto them. To well, I just want to read this yeah. to you. Judges 5.20, this is an amplified classic. From the heavens, the stars fought with Deborah. From their courses, they fought against Sisera, Satan. Understand, that's what our battle station is. A mighty warrior in these days will fight from the stars with the stars that are the heavenly tablets. They are the rungs of the Sephirot against Satan. This is how we have victory against the potent sorceries of Babylon the Great. This is the only way you'll be successful in defeating the opponents of this generation. Amen, amen. And we hope you rise on the sapphire stones, the sun, moon, and stars, in everlasting holiness and ever-increasing righteousness, purity, and faithfulness to Yadhe and faithfulness to the gifts that he sent in the form of the apostles that you will walk in your true destiny as you continue to come away from and curse the false god of destiny and all the idolatry of it. And remember, it's that inner man of light, the new creature that will be your identity in Christ, where you'll know those mysteries and those wonderful secrets of what the Father has created you since before the beginning of time to be. I just want to pray in activation. If you guys want to all lay hands on your heart, let the stars of Deborah of Judges 5.20 from Jesus Christ in heaven, let that star righteousness pour forth fresh glory into your hearts, as is written, the stars warred against Satan. So any area there is Satan operating in the invisible realms of your life or the visible realms of your life, we call forth the stars to war from heaven against Satan in the invisible and visible areas of all your souls for God's glory. In Jesus' name, bam. Amen. Love you guys. We'll see you tomorrow. Ladies and gentlemen, gather around, for today we embark on a journey of purpose and passion, a journey that transcends generations and connects us all through the power of shared dreams. We stand at the crossroads of opportunity and destiny with the chance to weave a story that will resonate for years to come. In the heart of Florida, where the sun kisses the earth with its golden warmth, there lies a vision waiting to be realized, the dream of RLM TV a beacon of inspiration, a lighthouse of creativity, yearning for a broadcasting facility to call home. Today, I am before you not merely as a speaker, but as a messenger of possibility, as we collectively turn the pages of destiny and script a tale of support and unity. Imagine a place where ideas dance on the airwaves, where voices echo with authenticity, and stories unfold like petals in a poetic bloom. RLM TV envisions such a space, a broadcasting facility that breathes life into narratives, amplifies unheard voices, and unites communities through the eternal thread of righteousness. Now more than ever, we find ourselves in a moment where the power of media can shape perceptions, challenge norms, and spark change. As Joel's army, we carry the torch of experience, the wisdom etched in the lines of our journey. It is our time to contribute to a legacy that goes beyond us, to invest in a space that will be the canvas for the artists of tomorrow. Let us come together, not just as donors, but as architects of a shared dream. Each contribution, whether large or small, is a brick in the foundation of a facility that will stand as a testament to our collective commitment to Jesus Christ's holiness, scholarship, and humility. In the tapestry of life, we have the opportunity to weave a vibrant and rich thread, creating a masterpiece that generations to come will marvel at. Today, I urge you to be a part of this masterpiece. Let us pool our resources, not just for a broadcasting facility in Florida, but for a legacy that transcends the boundaries of time. As we open our hearts and pockets, let us remember that our investment is not just in bricks and mortar, but in the power of divine connection, in the ability of the eternal gospel to bridge gaps and build bridges that we may become the stairway from heaven to earth. Together we can make RLM TV's dream a reality, and in doing so we contribute to a cultural landscape that reflects the redemptive strength of our entire generation. 
Thank you for being the custodians of dreams, the stewards of change, and the architects of a future where RLM TV's broadcasting facility stands tall, a testament to the power of unity, creativity, and the unwavering spirit of righteousness in our generation. Amen.